For nothing but Netflix, and today we're talking about the brand new JLo documentary over on Netflix. It's called Halftime, and I hope you're ready to say, Let's get loud here with the star of nothing but Netflix, Chappelle. Rob, why, you, why have you never sang the ne- uh, nothing but Netflix theme song? Why have I never sang? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I know all the words. I was looking yeah. through the channels the other day when there was nothing good on. I had nothing to play. So I went to my computer and realized that there was so much content before my eyes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I got it. Yes, I like that. Mm-hmm. Ring the bell. Yeah, uh, Rob, yeah it, it's very fun. I like when you sing the theme songs on other people's, uh, like on the other podcasts that you do. Like when you do Taco T-Bird, that makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. You've done the know-it-alls. But this is the first time that you've done nothing but Netflix, and I, I really enjoyed that. Okay, well, maybe we'll make it a, a sing-along, uh, just like uh, J-Lo had uh, <laughs> all those young girls singing during the Super Bowl halftime show. Exactly. Like people, listen, for the last 20 or 30 years, people have been telling you that you're not that great of a singer. You're not mm-hmm. that great of a dancer. Mm-hmm. You're not that great of an actor. But so Rob, I think you could do all of them if so you wanted true. to, honestly. Yes. Like J-Lo, you could have it all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about it all here today with an honest to goodness J-Lo expert who is here. Okay. Uh, let's welcome in. We just Welcome uh, back. Welcome back. Uh, yeah. We most recently talked about the floor is lava and like the lava things are going to stay hot as we talk about jennifer lopez here with dr amanda rabinowitz oh thank you so much for having me back on nothing but netflix to talk about my good pal jennifer lopez um i'm very very excited to be here and uh talk about uh halftime amanda this is such an interesting thing uh maybe one of the most interesting uh facts that we've come to know about you uh maybe less so than uh that you are a competitive eater uh oh, but yes. that you are a uh j-lo super fan uh how did this happen so okay, I, I I can explain my 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 J Lo credentials here for the audience. Um, and this is actually this I came to be invited on this episode because I had reached out to Chappelle um, and said, you know, J Lo is kind of my jam. I would love to come on and talk about halftime when that gets released. So um, I was very grateful that uh, Chappelle tagged me for that. Um, I so. I think J-Lo is one of those celebrities that has always occupied a very special place in my heart. Um, I followed her early career. I remember her uh, as a fly girl. And like, I really kind of idolized the fly girls. If people watched any of In Living Color in the 1990s, it was a sketch comedy show that I really liked. And it had this awesome dance troupe. And you she, see a little she bit. was your favorite fly girl? 
I sort of loved all of the fly girls. I just sort of looked up to them as like an entity. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like JLo was the one that took off, you know, so she like then went off to have a career. And I would say she was one of my top, you know, she like there was a mix of different fly girls through the ages. She was always one of my favorites. So I loved her as a fly girl. I was really excited in her early film career. I thought her early films were excellent. And I think that she just imprinted on my brain at this time where it's like, you know how like there's certain people that like are around you like early in your life and they kind of imprint in your brain and you think of them as like Bryce talks about like somebody's his family in his head. It's like JLo, I feel like she was like, I don't know. I don't know if she's like an aunt or mm-hmm. like a cousin or something, but like I have this familial overwhelming love for JLo. Um like <laughs> I don't know. Like I had this, uh, like I had a boyfriend in high school. I used to tell me he looked exactly like JLo. Like I just love JLo. I love everything about JLo. Um, I didn't follow all of her career, like after the early nineties, super closely. And like, you know, I don't think every movie she made was a hit, but I just will always have this like tremendous love and respect for this woman. Can I just uh, circle back to the, you had a boyfriend in high school (laughs) that, that, Told you you look like J-Lo? No, I told him he looked like J-Lo. Okay, that, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, you, the, he, he looked like J-Lo. A, 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 a beautiful man. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he had a very beautiful face. And I think that her face just, like, embodied, like, perfect structure to me. Like, other people have not made this connection that I made that he looked like J-Lo. But it just kind of shows how large of a figure she loomed in my in mm-hmm. my brain. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for all that. Uh, Chappelle, uh, where uh, on a scale of Akiva to Dr. Amanda are you in mm. uh, the JLo standum? I'm definitely closer to Dr. Amanda. I don't have any negative feelings about JLo at mm. all. And, uh, you know, uh, I. I have a soft spot in my heart for J-Lo as well. I would love to date someone who looks like J-Lo. Like, oh dear God, send her to me. Um, but she, I, I won't lie. She wasn't my favorite vlogger. girl. I'm, I'm a big Carrie Ann and Abba guy, you know, personally. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but I'm from Texas. And J-Lo was Selena's. She is Selena's. You know, like, anything for Selena's, that is like a, that is a Texas staple. It's especially in black neighborhoods. Like I really need to investigate this and like to find out that the government just dropped like a box of VHSs um, into like the, the hood. And like, cause we all have seen the Selena movie a billion times. Um, and so that was my introduction to JLo. And then of course the music happened and you know, she was a dancer of course, but like, when she started to make music, she really went straight into like kind of like this hip hop R and B kind of era too. She had a pop era, and then she she had her like Latina music as well. So she's hit all these different eras of music, and I was there for mo- much of it, you know. And so maybe less there for a lot of the movies, um, but even some of the movies have like a, like made a real big mark on me. And so I was happy to talk about J Lo. I'm also happy to talk about halftime. I mean, this is kind of my neck of the woods, so I feel very at home with this topic. So when you say that you're excited to talk about halftime, it's your neck of the woods. Super Bowl halftime shows. I've talked about this before, Rob. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. Too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, I forgot, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot, I, I forgot about that connection. 
Yeah, I've been on the other side of this. So I've seen, I've been where where we're seeing uh, parts of that I've experienced. And so it's mm. very fun to kind of relive that moment, you know, even where there's parts where we see like the little girls that she brings out on stage with her, the dancers and stuff, and how excited they were for that moment. And I can remember how I felt being on this like stage in front of all these people and thinking, wow, like I'm going to be able to tell this story forever. I got to do it twice, but you know, it was very, very much something that it felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. Yeah. And I, I have overall positive feelings uh, towards J-Lo. I wouldn't say that I am anywhere near uh, a J-Lo stan, uh, but I'm certainly not a J-Lo hater. Yeah. I'll, and I'll add, like, despite my, the overwhelming love that I have for J-Lo, I, I, it's not that I can't be critical of, you know, some aspects of her career. I think that she, you know, very questionable taste in, in men, J-Lo, series of rocky mm-hmm. relationships. She's had some really bad film choices. Like, I don't think that there's, you know, it's not like it's all been all hits, but I think that she's an interesting complex person that will be really great to talk about and so the halftime documentary if you haven't watched it uh is interesting to note that this was a uh a sort of a uh autobiographical examination of jennifer lopez uh that this was uh you know not a critical eye Mm. towards jennifer lopez a hagiography Uh, a hagiography for sure Mm. Uh, and so, you know, this was very much uh, Jennifer Lopez as, you know, uh, Jennifer Lopez has seen her story over the years and not the story of Jennifer Lopez as portrayed by pop culture over these last uh, 25 some odd years. So uh, certainly interesting to get that perspective on Jennifer Lopez. And uh, we'll uh, talk about uh, that and much more here today. Yeah, which is nice because... We do hear throughout this this uh, documentary that, yeah, much of what we know about J-Lo, we've heard through the tabloids and through, you know, gossip and, you know, social media. But rarely do we hear J-Lo talking about J-Lo. And so now we get J-Lo's perspective of how it felt to be the butt of so many jokes in the 90s. I see you uh, you see what I did there. Uh, but yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? Like she was uh, very much some, somebody who like, she was talked about so much, you know? And so this is her kind of her moment to say, well, I'm much more than, you know, this South Park character hand puppet that you wanted to make me or, you know, like these SNL skits. Like I, I have things that I care about that are more than just these performances. I, I, you know, and so we get a peek into how she feels about some of that. And I really enjoyed it. What yeah. was Trey Parker's big problem with Jennifer Lopez? Like, it seems like South Park went so hard on Jennifer Lopez. Get off her neck. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you know what? I, I mean, just looking back at the, you know, career and the, you know, documentary does a good job of like, like reminding you about like uh you know every uh or a lot of the big uh tent poles in uh JLo's career if people felt like in the early 2000s like oh JLo is just you know famous for being famous and she has no talent like wait till you see who the next 20 years is going to bring <laughs> to the forefront of pop culture yeah uh, we, we we literally have like Netflix shows dedicated to people who are famous on another platform that that's it I, I'm famous on TikTok so I get a television show yeah. these people mm-hmm. have not have not produced anything that we are listening to or consuming or like for entertainment making money or helping anybody a lot of times I won't say that about all of them but a lot of times it's very much self-serving you know taking selfies and dancing in the mirror and stuff like that um, and J-Lo was actually out here 
producing content, a lot of it, a lot of content, movies and and songs and, and like television show appearances. She's a dancer. She's very talented. And so for people to like kind of hold this over her head of all people, it's comical looking back now because uh, because of what we have right now. And you're right. It was just something that I feel like if I was like a media personality or something like that and I watched this, I would feel like crap. You know, because you know that like there's clips of like Jimmy Fallon, not so much Jimmy Fallon, but definitely Jimmy Kimmel, like yeah. making like a joke. And there's there's other clips of like random people making jokes. I think too, Letterman, too. Conan, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like all the hard, yeah. all, like all the big names were talking trash about J Lo, who was just minding her own business. And so it's kind of like, yeah, looking back, we probably could dial some of that back if if they had the chance. I'm sure they would do some takebacks. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and you can say like like you know what you will about like you know not every one of JLo's endeavors like was you know a five star event like she didn't hit with everything but this woman is extremely ambitious extremely hard working and she's very talented maybe not the greatest singer maybe not the best musician in the world but like this she has a lot of talent and she really you know she really worked tremendously hard and um you know and i think that she's uh you know that that there's a lot to be like respected about her career and like being a latina woman like to break out at the time that she did like i think selena was the highest gross like the highest paid uh latina actress had ever made for a film so like she was groundbreaking in her way and she really like you know you can tell that the fact that she didn't get the respect that she thought she deserved has been something that's really haunted her Mm -hmm. yeah and i thought it was interesting that the that this documentary really uh you know uh where you know much of uh j-lo's criticism of the media was talking about that you know a lot of uh news stories and discussion about you know who she is dating and when that really uh the film did not touch on that uh at all and uh her then uh boyfriend i'm not sure if they if they were uh if they were fiance i was talking talking about a rod oh a rod yeah uh what she was very much dating uh during the time of that this this all took place uh is uh gets an offer for a rod does not (laughs) does not appear ben affleck at least got a confessional yeah and he's one of the few that i mean he is the the one that got a confessional right like they talk about how many people she dated and all this other stuff but like ben is the only one who got to speak on it and Um, not about their relationship just about like how the crit how the how tough the criticism was of her she did not want her personal life at the center of this documentary she wanted this to be about her career like that was the message that she wanted to get across like i want to talk about the work that i've done Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they said an interesting line like like uh, some of the criticism was that she's a celebrity, not a performer, and I'm just like, but she's a celebrity because she's a performer, and that's very different than a lot of the celebrities we have today. They're they're celebrities because they were either born famous or rich or whatever, and then they've now let their celebrity take like take them to the next level, you know, using whatever talents they have for networking and marketing and stuff like that. But J Lo was always a performer, like she was a, a dancer and a singer when she first started out, and she wanted to be an actress. Like at no, at no point was she just like, oh, I'm just attached to some celebrity and now you know me. You know, it was it was the other way around. And so for people to center her love life, uh, like in a lot of the conversations about her, is is not fair because you can't think of a lot of people who are not Latina women who they've done that to. You know, there's a, probably a lot of actresses that you could probably say, well, why do you keep getting work? Actors too. Like I still don't understand the appeal of Kevin Costner, but like he <laughs> keeps neither. getting work and nobody's talking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, J Lo, she got a raw deal for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, the film is set against the backdrop of J-Lo performing at the uh, 20, uh, what do we call this? The 2019 Super Bowl, even though it's uh, February 2020. Uh, the- oh, I've been in Akiva. Have a take. on. I think that this was a NGOG argument about what you right. call this. Yeah, I was on that episode, a uh, Super Bowl episode <laughs> of NGOG. And I believe I I like uh, did a fancy uh, fencer 10 type situation. Yeah, the 2019 <laughs> season Super Bowl. Uh, uh, basically the last Super in Bowl before right. COVID. Uh, I, I really feel like that the film does not really acknowledge uh, yeah. that basically it's about uh, J-Lo's very tumultuous February of 2020, <laughs> uh, which leaves out uh, the, uh, you know, coronavirus pandemic yeah. about we were the strike. All, we were all having a time, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to break it to yeah, you. But if you thought yeah. you were having a bad 2020, wait till you hear about J-Lo. Uh, didn't even get an Academy Award nomination for Hustlers. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She wore a mask once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah but yeah, I, I was going to uh, say that the backdrop was against uh, her performing halftime right. uh, with Shakira uh, at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. between the Forty ers and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and also against the backdrop of award season uh, for Hustlers. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Amanda. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the things that you could say about, like, where this documentary, like, might not have been successful or might have been, like, I, you know, might leave you with, like, a question mark is, you know, it's, like, selling, like, even everything we've said about J-Lo, that she didn't get critical respect. It's, like, selling J-Lo as this great underdog, like, given, like, the celebrity that she is, like, there's times where you could think a little bit, like, woe is me j-lo like okay you're like the biggest celebrity in the world but you don't have an oscar yet like there's a little bit of like where is her the, egot <laughs> with like that sob story i think it's like your mileage may vary with how much that touches your heart yes i, I totally agree I, I thought that it was uh a, a little too much on the you know uh whether it was the hollywood foreign press or uh mm-hmm. the academy uh <laughs> felt like that uh we really delved into JLo's grievances uh, with uh, not getting enough uh, accolades for her best supporting right. actress work in Hustlers. I- I'll be fair to JLo a little bit here. I think it was more like you want, they wanted us to see the emotional toll that took on her. She wasn't so much complaining about like, oh, I should have won. It was more like, let, let me show you the roller coaster ride I went on. So I did this thing. I went out on a limb and did this like very controversial topic, right? Like it's like we're, we're putting, um, pole dancers and strippers at the front of this story, but in an empowering way, which is something that we don't see a lot. And so she's like also a woman of color. And so she's really stepping out on a limb here. And this is like a JLo produced, uh, like property. Yeah. Well. She was a producer. Yeah. And so she does the thing. So she's already worried about it. It gets all this acclaim. And then she's like, Oh, okay. I'm, I think they actually like it. And so for so for the first time since what Selena, she's getting like acknowledgement for a role in such a big way to where people are like, Oh yeah, award season coming around. She's the guy. So she's the gal, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming. And so then she starts to say like, well, I don't really think I'm a win, but people start saying, no, 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 you're the front runner. And then she goes and she, and she loses to Laura Dern, which, you know, Laura Dern, uh, respectable loss to take right there. Mm-hmm. But then, so she's like, you know what? I probably am not going to win these things. But then she goes and she wins another award from uh, like the LA uh, Screen Actors Guild mm-hmm. or whatever. And so she's like, wait, so am I back? Are we doing this? Are we going to win? And people are hyping her up and hyping her up and yeah. hyping her up to where when she finally doesn't win, she's like, 
I didn't think I was going to win, but y'all made me think I was going to win. So now I feel kind of sad about it. So yeah, I think she that's does, more of the journey. She doesn't get nominated for an Oscar. And that was exactly. the big injury on nomination day. And I will say bad move for the Academy here. This like in the best actress supporting cat category it's all white women across mm-hmm. the board here so and i think was this that this might have been the oscars that um that uh jada smith um boycotted because of the academy Oscars so white mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, they, um, did they end up doing the oscars in 2020 that or happened pre-covid Let's take a look at that. I think it might have uh, happened. That sounds like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. I think it might have happened no. pre-COVID. I'm not sure. I see a picture of yeah. Laura Dern accepting an Oscar, but I don't know if this was like the full thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and you can tell with Star J-Lo, of Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. <laughs> will she win another she, supporting another, actress yeah. Oscar? Yeah. When not J-Lo, J-Lo overlooked for halftime. <laughs> Again, story of her life. Um yeah. 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 So she, I mean, like the, the thing you definitely see in um, like throughout this like narrative of like looking forward to the Oscars and will she get nominated? It's like she's has this sort of like, I don't know. I feel like I can relate to her so hard. Like I'm a perfectionist. Like I feel disappointed in myself if I don't achieve like the thing that is the thing in my field that I'm supposed to do. Like I hold myself to those standards. So I, I feel JLo so much with this. I feel like she's doing a lot of like humble bragging and false humility like on the way there where she's like but then I will get the nomination Mm -hmm. she's like oh it would be embarrassing to lose in this dress and then she's gonna go and lose in that dress so um you know I think she really had her heart set on this you could tell how much this meant to her um and you know she was this was like a big disappointment so it's like it's centered around award season it's also centered around the halftime um, her halftime show and the other thing that this documentary like really tees up is that getting the halftime show is like this really big pinnacle of JLo's career and I wonder from our halftime expert Chappelle like is getting the halftime show like the pinnacle of your career as a performing artist Ooh, I mean they're not many bigger stages than the halftime uh, show. I know that the halftime show I did when I was in college with the Black Eyed Peas slash and Usher, that broke the record for like most televised concert or whatever, like the world record. And so, and I'm assuming they, they break them every year. Like I'm assuming that they have more viewers every time it happens. So I don't know if you can get a bigger audience than the Super Bowl halftime show, honestly. And mm-hmm. if you think about the other people who've done the halftime show, there have been some clunkers. There have been, but like, you, Michael Jackson, Prince, Beyonce, like they're big names there. And so for JLo to feel like I'm in that, in that same conversation as those people, such a big deal, honestly. I doubt that when she started performing, she ever thought like, I need to do that. Like, but it not it like one of those like, like things that you just dream about, right? Like you're mm-hmm. like, man, one day that could be me. Like I got, I got hits. I could dance. I could, man, I would have all the things. I'd have stripper poles and cages and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And you know, so, so her whole, her, her whole career, she's probably been, idolizing that moment and thinking about what it could be like and then to finally have it like like presented to her as an opportunity yeah i think it is a very big deal for her um just to go back to uh the academy awards uh in 2020 Mm. so super bowl uh between the chiefs and the 49ers uh that was on february 2nd of 2020 and then the academy awards were the next weekend which was uh february 9th so they did have uh, the in-person 
Academy Awards. Uh, but, you know, that uh, at least in my mind, the specter of COVID was uh, really, you know, uh, mm-hmm. over. Uh, J- J-Lo goes to the doctor at one point and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. a respiratory infection. I'm like, it was COVID. J-Lo had it. Oh, yes. J-Lo. J-Lo was yes. the one who brought COVID. She probably, the Super Bowl was probably a probably super spreader, spreader event. event. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, as uh, you both were talking about the uh, event being like a pinnacle in, in uh, J-Lo's career. Yeah, it seems interesting that I, I wonder if there were like parallels uh, for J-Lo, I'm not sure uh, if she, uh, if anybody even cares about the Grammys, uh, but did she look at the Super Bowl as sort of like an acknowledgement of her musical career in the same way she was looking at the Oscars as the mm-hmm. acknowledgement of her film career? Yeah, probably. I mean, they and they happened within a week of each other. So, and it was when she had turned 50. And so it was, it was kind of all like lining up in that way where it kind of felt like this is her coronation in a way. And so, you know, the, she still she did the Super Bowl performance. It went, it went well, clearly based on this. But, you know, I think she would have really liked that that thing with the Oscars to work out, um, at least a nomination, because quite frankly, with you nominating all white women for this award, J-Lo has played plenty of white women in movies, plenty. And so she could have been nominated she could have done it if she wanted to be a white woman in a movie she could do it I, i've seen all a lot of j-lo's movies and she be a white lady a lot of times her and mm-hmm. halle berry have a really good like they got a really good skill set for just deciding to be white in these movies sometimes mm-hmm. yeah if j-lo talks about like from the time that she was a little girl and like how she always thought about her career as wanting to be that like triple threat the singer the dancer the actress and like this is really like the between the super bowl halftime special and like hustlers being a hit it's like really like this is her firing on all cylinders like she gets to really Really put on her like one woman show yeah you know the mm-hmm. problem is there's no award that really celebrates that triple threat them i mean uh, that yeah. she's like a triple crown winner i mean is there anybody else if we were going to be drafting triple threats oh drafting triple threats so like Ooh. the singer the singer dancer actor com- i'm trying to think of other pop stars who have made who have had successful acting careers yeah, as, and then it's like it's, it's got to be a single dancer actor, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. maybe like Lady Gaga, maybe. Yeah, I guess oh, Lady, yeah, Lady. She's, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. Put her, put her, you certainly put her into the draft. Uh, that I, I feel like uh, I feel like Beyonce doesn't have the film accolades. Uh, that she's an Oscar nominated actress, right? For Dreamgirls, I believe. Um, I'm pretty I like sure. I just feel like she doesn't uh, work as much as an actress. That's true. She, I wouldn't consider her an actress, She's although in, she has had some yeah. good acting roles. Gold member. Uh, <laughs> she was in Cadillac Records, I believe, is the one where she was Etta James. Right. So she She's wasn't in a nominated movie for Oscar for right? Yeah. yeah, no, that we don't acknowledge that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's like the Broadway musical sort of skill set. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's but like in terms of our like big pop crossover stars, I do think that J Lo is like definitely one of the top in in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, uh, I'm just trying to think of like another good performer, like a woman performer. Cause I don't think of a couple of men off the top of my head. Maybe like a, like, uh, Jamie Foxx is like a singer performer, but I think he's other, mm-hmm. like, actor, but I think he's in like a, com- like, maybe like a, <laughs> Will, Will Smith. Like a comedian more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If Will, yeah. Will did music for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's the dancing aspect that's the probably dancing, a little yeah. off. Yeah. Like that throws people off. Um, yeah. yeah, so it'd probably be hard. So I think J-Lo has a legit argument for why people should be kind to her, at least when it comes to her career, because she's doing things that the girls aren't doing. 
Yeah, I think that that's kind of her problem where she is like she does so many things because uh, and she like uh, crosses like uh, so many different industries that I feel like that she doesn't get, you know, celebrated enough in any one thing. Uh, and I feel like that sort of like diminishes her. Uh, like if you compare her only to other actresses, uh, then you say, well, there are these all these other actresses that are better or if you compare her only to other musicians, but she can do all of them. Yeah. She does all of it and she looks fabulous doing it. Like this woman is like ageless in terms of like not only her beauty, but her athleticism, like the stuff that she can still do on the stage is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stuff that she can still do on the stage is amazing. <laughs> like that's super. I was like, wow. Okay. I went and saw Hustlers after that. I was like, okay, let's do it. It must, there's something yeah. here. I, give her the Oscar. At least not. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that one scene in, in Hustlers is, is extremely impressive. Shit fell. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I, <laughs> and I was impressed. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl of it all, uh, where, you know, the, the film paints it from JLo's perspective of, um, a a huge slight to JLo to that. They, that as told through the documentary that the NFL getting a lot of negative press about Colin Kaepernick at the time, they wanted to do a Super Bowl halftime show in in Miami that they felt like would be representative for the Miami crowd. And J-Lo felt like that it was insulting to basically that they needed to bring in not one, but two uh, Latina performers to be in the Super Bowl halftime show in both her and Shakira. Uh, this is the big story coming out of this documentary that JLo was salty that she had to share the stage with Shakira. And the premise of this is that there's like a headliner. There's one person. They get the show. They get the time. It's not enough time to split with other artists. Now, I was looking at the history of the Super Bowl halftime show yes. to see like an um there is like a run, especially in, so first it's all marching bands for like a long time. And then mm-hmm. I think it's the nineties or the eighties when they start doing these pop music acts. And um let me pull this up now. But um there's like these there's Michael Jackson, I think was one of the first mm-hmm. ones. Um you get like some, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the Who, some of those like classic rock bands um and then there's like a long stretch of just these um big like super group acts with like a bunch of different artists like like a that that are billed um as uh like a mix together like Miami Sound Machine is 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 in there a few times um and um yeah there's so there's a there's a bunch of uh times that a bunch that several hours to feature like famously we all remember um Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. and they were um you know they were two of many performers so there was a long tradition of the halftime show being like a showcase for multiple performers but then there were a few halftime shows leading up to JLo where there was only one headliner build like Beyonce had her own billing if you look up halftime shows but she does perform with bruno mars and coldplay so even beyonce who had most of the time in that halftime show also shared the stage with other 
performers. So it seems to be pretty typical for a Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, we just remember the last halftime show where we had, um, you know, all of the classic hip hop performers. Um, so, you know, I don't know if she should have been as blindsided and offended by this choice as she was. Hmm. So I had been seeing the discourse as well uh, this week leading up to the show. Uh, and so when I watched the show, I was like kind of like going in, already had a preconceived notion that she was like, okay, you tripping. Cause I've, I've done the Super Bowl before with multiple people. So I know how mm-hmm. it works. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when she said it, she did say like, it's normally brought to one big artist and then they can choose if they want to have right. an ensemble mm-hmm. cast, you know? And so like when, when they had the Janet Jackson Super Bowl, it was Janet Jackson, P Diddy, Murphy Lee, Kid Rock, and Justin Timberlake and yeah. the U of H marching band and the Texas Southern University marching band. And so the headliner was Janet Jackson. There was just 18 other thousand, 18,000 other people right. on stage too, including myself. And so then when I did the Super Bowl in college, it was very much the black eyed peas were the headliner usher and slash were the like, accompaniment and Mm -hmm. so you know although usher is somebody who probably could demand a stage by themselves same thing with slash honestly um the black eyed peas were the headliner and so when she puts it like that yeah if you go to j-lo and say this is your halftime show would you like to have extra people would you like to have shakira would you like to have such and such or go to shakira and say the same thing so i do think she had a legit argument with that because you did have the opportunity to give her um i don't know if she would be the first latino woman to to have that stage but if she was like, that's a good opportunity to give that to her. And and they didn't. Um, so I could see where the argument got, but I know that once you start to disseminate that information on the internet, it just kind of spirals into like, Oh, look at JLo being a diva again, just wanting her own and mm-hmm. salty about Shakira. She's not half the act, the singer that Shakira is. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know? And so I think you could give her a little grace with, with that one, because it does make sense if you look through it through that lens. Now, yeah. Uh, was this a thing at the time? Was anybody in February 2020 talking about like uh, the audacity of the NFL to double book Shakira and Jennifer Lopez? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think this was the very first I heard of it. And it actually like really like sort of broke my heart because I also have like a really strong like affiliation with Shakira. Like I love Shakira Shakira too. So I was like, don't make me choose mom. Don't make me choose. But, um, so I think, and I think to her credit, like, even though JLo is like not happy about this, like she does like offer to Shakira that we will split the time. And she like does seem to like kind of suck it up and be a good sport about it but i thought that the show like featuring both of them was actually really great like i thought what came of it was so great so Mm -hmm. it was a little bit disheartening to hear that this was like something that j-lo didn't feel good about and that she didn't feel like she had control over um and that it felt like a slight to her yeah Chappelle, uh, i felt like that uh the shakira erasure in halftime was very real Mm -hmm. uh i feel like they had they showed it like one conversation with shakira i went back i watched the super bowl halftime show and you know when they showed the performance they didn't even show one second of shakira and shakira gets like the first you know uh six minutes of the or or seven minutes of the 14 minute thing like it it was almost like that they, they were like sisters where it's like all right you stay on your side of the room and i'll stay on my side of the room and you do your thing and then i'll come on and i'll do and i'll do my thing yeah and i don't think that's uh like 
that's I don't think that's like out of the ordinary for the Super Bowl, honestly. Uh, like I said, in the in the Janet Jackson thing, it was very much everybody was in their own lane. You kind of stay in front of your own stage, and then at the end, you have Janet and Justin kind of doing their duet together. Mm-hmm. But at no point was Janet over there with Kid Rock. It, like I don't think they even mm-hmm. met each other, and I, hopefully she did not meet him. Um, and so, uh, and, and same thing with the Black Eyed Peas. Like the Black Eyed Peas did their thing, and at some point they get out the way. Usher's and Slasher on stage. He's dancing. Da, 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 come off the stage. Black Eyed Peas are back up there. So you really don't have to show Shakira. Also, this isn't about her. It's about J Lo, and so yeah. it's it's called halftime, but it's really only about the half of the halftime. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it it made sense for them to kind of cut Shakira out of that because also Shakira could Shakira could do her own. She could do her this same exact documentary from her point of view. I'm sure. I, oh. I want to say it. I want to say no. I had in my notes that Shakira got six minutes of the halftime special, and J Lo wasn't going to give her another minute in the mm-hmm. in the documentary. Like she really <laughs> like you didn't see any of her performance like you have her on the phone there's like one like brief rehearsal mm-hmm. but let's like you blink and you miss Shakira in this uh in this film like JLo did not want to give that woman any more screen time that's it Ooh. she got half the halftime yeah, show that's it <laughs> she did and, that, and look and that's all she needed because it, mm-hmm. it turned out great and then we get this work of art here on Netflix but we also mm-hmm. like there's room for Shakira to do hers but I do have a a fun fact for y'all yes oh um, so you know about the connection between uh, the in, uh, in Living Color and the Super Bowl? Uh, wh- I don't think- what is it? Did well, In Living Color premiere after a Super Bowl? No, no, no. no. So in 1993, uh, I, and I know this because I, I tweeted about it last year when it happened, but I went, well, when I was thinking about it, I, when it was on front of my mind, uh, because basically what happens is the Super Bowl halftime show was getting no play. Like nobody, like it was boring. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody was watching it. So they uh, like um, Fox like decided to air and live in color in the middle of it. Right. Like in the middle of the halftime show. And they got all these viewers, like over 20 million viewers just flocked to Fox for a halftime. And so the Super Bowl people were like, well, why are we doing this? If like people are going to watch something in the middle, they should be watching us. And so the following year for the Super Bowl, Michael Jackson gave that. Oh, Super Bowl wow. And it's been a thing ever since. And so, funny enough, J-Lo has bookends with the Super Bowl and the Living Color as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to mention the men on football sketch, but I don't think that holds no, up no. today. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need to no, talk no, about no, that. No, yeah. no. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that that's really interesting. So J-Lo is bringing them, is bringing the viewership uh, back mm-hmm. in the early 90s and she's bringing them to the well, viewership. Yeah, yeah that, that's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like that for years and years, I feel like the people were always like counter programming, like, oh, we've got this halftime show or go to MTV for this halftime show. And mm-hmm. now it's like nobody does that. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to compete with the Super Bowl. And also MTV and VH1, they haven't played a music video in 20 years. So mm-hmm. they don't, they, they forgot where they came from. But JLo did not. You know, mm-hmm. again, I, I wonder if she knows the connection because that's pretty cool. I don't think she was on in Living Color in 1993. I think she was a little bit after that. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, it's the only part of the Super Bowl that I watch. Not even the commercials? <laughs> I, I like to know about the commercials, but I don't, I don't get excited about the Super Bowl commercials. I think it's weird to get excited about people selling you things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I won't watch it with the same way anymore. Okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm, so, <laughs> Look, I'm, he, I, I'm here to ruin everything about football for everybody. That's why mm-hmm. I was put on this. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh-uh. I, I thoroughly enjoy the halftime show and I watch it every year. So, you know, I'm glad that Dr. Amanda still likes one. I like what I like that part. Role. So how do you feel, Chappelle, that this halftime show stacks up with other halftime uh, specials? Because I want to talk about like what the content of JLo's halftime show is. I think J-Lo and even and Beyonce recently, they both were really pushing a message in their, in their halftime shows. Uh, you know, J- uh, Beyonce with her Lemonade album was, you know, she was uh, doing a lot of like hard work and like trying to talk about like black women and, uh, and women's empowerment. And I think J-Lo really saw, sees, saw this as an opportunity in a time where there was uh, like political and racial unrest in the country, which I mean, it's still that, but it was very like, you know, very toxic at that time, like to the point where you couldn't even turn off, like you couldn't get away from it. And so she felt like she needed to use the opportunity to kind of highlight some of the issues that were important to her and to empower Latina women and Latinas and Latino people in general in Miami and kind of just be true to the culture of that, of that area and true to herself. And so I think like in a vacuum, it's, it's a, it's a good performance. Like, I don't know, like if you like could rank Super Bowl performances, like, I don't know if you can do that with like an unbiased lens. Mm-hmm. Like for me, if like, if you like an artist, you like an artist, right? Like, uh, I don't know if how much, like what can Tom Petty do to really get yourself above Beyonce in a lot of people's eyes? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's Tom Petty. He's a legend, but he's not Beyonce. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I can rank them, but I really do think it was, it was a good Super Bowl performance. It would have been better if I had been in it, but you know, mm-hmm. nah, I didn't get the call. Somehow they lost my number, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that. It later. was my major complaint with it for sure I, uh, thank you because i definitely <laughs> get salty every time a super Bowl performance happens because my grandmother she's so she's so sweet Aww. she's like are you in this one too like no no granny i'm not in this one i'll never be in another one again sorry don't don't, don't look don't tell your, oh. your friends at bingo <laughs> Yeah. So they, they paint this as like, you know, so she creatively like her vision for this is this is against like the backdrop of the Trump presidency and the family separation at the border. And, um, you know, the, I, the kids were being detained. And so this was, you know, to her, she sort of speaks about her own background and not being an artist who was ever po- particularly political, but that this like spoke to her. She made songs as- about love. Only songs about love. Yeah, she doesn't like songs about politics or messages, but that this really issue spoke to her. And she said, you know, like with this platform, she felt like it was important for her to say something. And again, um, you know, Rob, you pointed out the NFL was having this, you know, kind of this image problem with the Colin Kaepernick issue um, and also, you know, a lot of the um, Trump supporting owners. And so there was there was this sort of tension of like wanting to kind of have this message that might be more unifying. And then, you know, J-Lo wanting to take this platform and really elevate it to send a message about, you know, that our country should be inclusive and that, you know, nobody should be, um, you know, that, that, that these, that these children should be welcomed for a country of immigrants um, and, and to sort of highlight those issues. So I think that she makes a lot of like ambitious choices here. And like some of the things, um, you know, that like you might not have like appreciated on the initial viewing was like that she has, you know, she has these young women singers and like these, these girls who are, I think mostly Latina, but that they're in, um, they're in these cages. Um, and they're, you know, that that's part of, the um, stage setup here. Um, she uses a Puerto Rican flag, like she wears an American flag, like a reversible American Puerto Rican flag, to sort of represent her Puerto Rican heritage. Um, she like has things organized with like she has a, a woman, the, the the symbol for female, as like part of the stage. And it seems like the NFL pushed back 
against a number of these things. And I actually, this scene I really liked where she's on the phone with them and they're saying like, well, the female symbol we think is really kind of divisive and that people might feel like they're not included. And she's like, wait, I thought you were going to have a problem with the cages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, the, but the NFL is like women. I don't know. So, um, but she, so, but, but the way the documentary shows it, at least is she gets this pushback and it's sort of like the force of her will in being uncompromised. She like still gets the, she still gets the show she wants. Like she keeps all of those things. Um, so, I mean, I thought that that was kind of remarkable that she had such a strong political vision and that, um, you know, at least the way it's shown in the documentary, she gets some NFL pushback, um, but she still like manages to get her message across. Chappelle, do you remember this being a big thing at that time? Uh, Cause I was like, um, as I was watching it, back i'm like i I have no recollection of this and i'm like i I wonder does does the nfl eventually uh say all right you know we can't scrap the cages uh we can't we can't do that uh but then that you know they're there in the in the finished product oh no there she definitely got like a lot a lot of criticism after that performance there were people talking about well why if you're trying to empower women why are you up here being a stripper why do you have kids mm-hmm. around this my child was watching the super bowl and oh my god there was a lady on the pole that what sounds familiar do? yeah you know but they did talk about the people being in cages and like oh like look at y'all trying to make things political again and i think that's the problem with this so J-Lo's goal was to make a statement, but also make it palatable. But mm-hmm. when you take risks like this, you leave the opportunity for people who do not necessarily believe in your goal or your view to like nitpick at the things that don't matter. Right. So it's kind of like, she's like, look at these kids in cages. We should stop that. We should do unity born in the USA. Mm-hmm. Remember like we, mm-hmm. all these things should be combined, like, like, bringing us together and they're like but you're on a stripper pole you know and so they were very much able to like kind of push all the rest of that like, to the but side. did you see hustlers i worked right. on that routine for months mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it was <laughs> it was good um, so like um so yeah so i think that's probably the biggest issue that people saw afterwards was that like from the critics they were saying like one yeah, yeah it's so it's so risque oh my god like well, you got these kids in cages y'all are fear-mongering and you know like y'all y'all are so anti-trump that you're bringing all this other stuff into it but like if she really wanted to make her message, I think you kind of muddy it sometimes when you bring in like these other mm. outside things as well. And so I think it there was there was criticism from both sides of the argument. But uh, I think overall, I'm glad that she kind of stuck to her guns because the idea that they tried to like change that the day before the the day before the performance, they're crazy people. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would have hung up the phone. Like they would have had to legit like tell me I could not perform. During That's the what she and did. I think. I think she. The thing that seems weird about it to me is that the the fact that the the NFL would not have known about that until right. such a such a late date. Do, that part does not sound right to me. Like, yeah. I feel like that. You know, that's so much that. scrutiny. You you think that the NFL might, w- wouldn't have known? I was present for Janet Jackson and, and uh-huh. Justin Timberlake. And yeah. I tell you, we practiced they don't have for wardrobe three days. inspectors. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we we practiced for three days straight, one of those days being in the rain. And at no point did Justin Timberlake reach over and do anything. And we didn't have people coming to us, even like as like the people like the accompaniment. Nobody came to us and was like, What are y'all doing? Like we like we did our moves in front of the choreographer. We did our move like I, I don't think we've ever I don't think I've ever like seen an NFL official at all. Like I I don't when we performed, like we we learned everything. When I was in college, I think that's the one I remember best because we were more active in that one but we performed it at school and then we went to dallas we 
practice it in front of the choreographer. And then the next day we practice it at like, uh, like off off site. And then we came to the stadium and we practiced it one last time. And then we did it. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like, show me beforehand what you're going to do, but, you know, cause you can see that they are practicing it up until the day of what about, uh, in the Super Bowl you did with Black Eyed Peas that was in the post Janet Jackson uh, timeline mm-hmm. that uh, I just feel like that this because this was stagecraft I mean this was not just like, like somebody's a, like manufacturing these cages and they're being shipped mm-hmm. like it's like it seems like it's a lot to be blindsided like somebody's ba- like paying the budget or do they not know that or, those are cages like I mean they're yeah. like uh, or, or, that they were sort of like if you squint like maybe they're orbs they were, like yeah. I don't know like door, dome. Yeah. Is that yeah, a like so it bulb? wasn't like they brought in yeah exactly so it wasn't like they like he got the order for like we need 65 cages like hold on pause what's going on over <laughs> with j-lo i think it probably gets up the ladder and they're like okay well let me show you what she has planned like so she has these cages i'm sorry what mm-hmm. go back to that part so yeah so even like i said the soup the, the black eyed people i don't think at any point have i ever met an nfl official you know mm-hmm. and so like we could have like randomly decided halfway through the show we were going to do something else and i mean what were they going to do like stop the halftime show. So uh, yeah, I just think that it was going to make it to them the eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the Beyonce effect. Yeah. You no, know, but you know, um, I think it was going to make it to them eventually. It just wasn't like front of mind to where they had to like address it right that second. And then they were still trying to work out the logistics of it. Um, but they, you just don't have a lot of time. You it, you would be shocked at how little time you have to perfor- to prepare for a Super Bowl performance. It's very uh-huh. quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I think it was a great show. I love the choices she made. I know that you can say that it's like, you know, you have the stripper pole and is this diluting the message about like about, you know, her message about, um, you know, no person should be illegal. Like, I do feel like from JLo's vision, it's like this is something and this is something that she says about why Hustlers was meaningful for her. There's a lot of women who don't have choices, like don't have great choices in life. And when we like criminalize all of those choices, like the mother who tries to give her child a better life by crossing the border or the woman who has to go into, you know, dancing or some other, you know, sex work to like support a family. It's like we are criminalizing people who we've sort of disenfranchised in all of these other ways. So I think that that's part of the message that was important to her. And I think that she like, put it in a show that was still like very fun, very poppy, like very, um, you know, high energy and entertaining. Um, so I thought it was very successful. I loved it. I think it's one of the better like halftime shows of recent years. Like if you like compare it to like, I mean, I love the last one too, but like, you know, the, and the, like they're, they're all good, but I do feel like this one made an impact to me. Even yeah, Maroon 5. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, five, yeah. They did they have to split the time? I think um, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they they should have. Um, yeah, they had some so, other people there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think J Lo has hits, like decades of hits. So she's definitely somebody who, if you tell if you tell them, put together six minutes of like the best J Lo mix. Like any DJ could have you dancing from the you know beginning to end because she just has those songs. They're so catchy. The earworms, the dance tunes. You know. Yeah. Um, you don't need a lot of power ballads from her or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get the stuff that's fun and upbeat and very Miami, very party like centric and, you know, and it, it fits the Super Bowl halftime show. So I don't think I have any issues with the show at all. She mm-hmm. has the line like there's hip hop J-Lo, there's funk J-Lo, there's Latin J-Lo, there's mama J-Lo, yeah. there's shoot me down, but I won't fall J-Lo. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots of sides to J Lo. I don't think that J Lo is the greatest singer in the history of recorded music. I'll just say like mm-hmm. that. I don't think is her is her number one skill, but I think she puts on a good show. Mm-hmm. Great show. Yeah. I agree. 
Um, I thought one of uh, the best parts of this uh, was when uh, J-Lo was working with the, um, you know, little girls who were going to be in uh, the show and she was uh, like backstage uh, with them. That that was really cool to see. Uh, one of the uh, the young girls is talking about how she listens to her music, um, and uh, they just that was uh, you know really something fun to get to see behind the scenes. Yeah, I feel like Jayla yeah. would be like your favorite like first grade teacher. Like she would be, she'd be great. Wouldn't she? Be, wouldn't she be great, yeah. Ms. Lopez? Um, yeah. No, and, and her daughter is the one who sings "Let's Get Loud" in like the end of mm-hmm. her set, like which I thought was really cool. I think I missed that at the time that that was actually her daughter Emmy. Um, and so so that that was really great. Um, I thought that all of the stuff with with the little girls was was adorable um another thing that i do like want to call out um is like j-lo has this bejeweled water bottle that she carries around yeah one of her criticisms was like that people were like oh j-lo such a diva this that and i'm like she does not seem like a diva in this and then she shows up with a bejeweled water bottle and the sunglasses on. i'm like okay you are giving diva energy mm-hmm. you might not be a diva but if I saw you from across the room, I would. It wouldn't be out of the question for me to think that about you, because um, that is a very um, shiny water bottle, mm-hmm. to say the least. Yes, and I think that she even had like multiple of them because I remember seeing one in a later scene. I was like, oh, "Wait, that's not the exact same one. She has more than one." It's very flashy. I like it. I do appreciate it. <laughs> when you're J Lo, you cannot drink out of a normal cup. You are absolutely not. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. What would people think? <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah, but even um, I appreciated that moment with uh, J Lo and those kids too. It j- I, like just thinking about it, just kind of even like like I'm not gonna keep talking about it. like I was into the world, but like the first time I did it, I was a child, and the second time I did it, I was an adult, and I got to be like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, you know, like I could one day they would be cool if I was like these other performers, that would be dope. And then like to be on the other side, even then to be like, wow, you really did it. And then like to see, we ran into a lot of, a lot of kids. They bring in a lot of like local area acts and stuff to be like a part of the crowd a lot of times, which is how we got on the first time. Uh, and so like you get to meet these people and they like want to talk to you and stuff. And you're like, wow. Like, yeah. And they're like, Oh my God, you were in the band there and you got to do such and such, such, such. And you go like, Oh, yeah, thank you. And you know, so you never know how far that's going to go uh, with those kids. And they met JLo. Like they'll never forget that. I, I think it's so yeah. dope. The film really starts uh, and it goes through J-Lo's career from uh, an early age. Amanda, were there any parts of J-Lo's career that you didn't already know about that this film explored? Um, I mean, like, you know, so I, I, you know, getting more of her backstory, like it sounds like she left the house, like she left her home at a very young age and moved out and started, you know, pursuing her career as a dancer. And it really starts with the fly girls i think was there anything before that um and i don't think so yeah she left home and ran away to the fly girls and ran away to the fly girls as you do and um let's let us not forget that the choreographer of the fly girls was rosie perez which Mm -hmm. is also amazing um Mm -hmm. and living color really was like florence during the renaissance in terms of uh talent there um so yeah, so then she goes, but so she goes from like directly from the Fly Girls to Selena is like 1997. Like, I don't know if she did. Oh, 
between that, she's a dancer and she's in that um, Janet. She's like she's featured in a Janet Jackson music video. Do you know this one, Chappelle? Is that, is that, is that that's the way love goes? Yes. Yes. She's one of the back. So she was a background dancer for a while. And I did know this. I remember you can find her in that Janet Jackson video, which is a great video. Um, and then she starts her movie career with Selena in 1997. And, um, and I, and I really followed her early movie career very closely. And I actually think these are her best acting performances. Like, I think for people who say that JLo can't act like, I think that she's great in Selena. Yeah. I think she's great in um, Out of Sight, like was a movie that I really, really loved. Um, she was in Enough. Um, where yeah. he, I mean, she really shows quite a bit of range in her early career. And then I think that what happens is she becomes like a bit of a joke when she starts to make a series of kind of bad film choices. And it starts with Geely, where she meets Ben Affleck. And then I think that once she's dating Ben Affleck, her um, her like sort of personal life takes over from her career, like really yeah. overshadows her career. And then, you know, she's making kind of like not great movies. Um, people are really interested in who she's dating. Like she's always been a fashion icon. There's a whole like series in yeah. the, the sequence of the film about that the Versace, the green Versace plunging neckline dress that she yes wore. yeah. Well, I think that that's also a big uh, milestone on her um, uh, in, in her career. The 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 green dress, which was what is that 2001 or 2000? Yeah, I think it was oh, two, okay. it's two, yeah, February, February, uh, February is a big month always for J-Lo. Uh, <laughs> February 2000 at the Grammy Awards. Yeah. That, that she so, wears the dress 20 years later uh, in 2020. Yeah. In Which this is, documentary, they say that they created Google Images because, because of the of green this dress. dress. That's so, incredible. I mean, now, is that apocryphal? Again, this, know, is like from bio, this is according to J-Lo. Google Images. I'm going to look up Google Images on yeah, Wikipedia. Can you, can you Google Google Images? Google <laughs> Images. This is going to be confusing. <laughs> yeah, that Google's, seems a bit self-serving. Google's going to yes. eat itself when you Google yeah. Google Images. So, I mean, everybody remembers this dress, right? Like, if you were a cognizant human, you knew that J-Lo wore this dress. Yeah. Um, okay. I, all right. So, yeah. all right. So, according to this, the history of Google Images in 2000, Google search results were limited to simple pages of text with links. Google's developers uh, worked on developing this further, and they realized they must, uh, and they realized that an image search tool was required to answer the most popular search query they had seen to date: the green Versace dress of Jennifer Lopez wow. worn in yeah. February 2000. Wow. Ring a bell, Rob. She wasn't wrong. Yes. There you go. Look, that's, she better than a, that's better than an Oscar. This right? whole she movie should be about she, Google Images. Yeah. Uh, what is, exactly. Yeah, yeah Helen but, of Troy was the face that launched a thousand ships, and Jennifer Lopez's dress like launched a whole search engine. Look, JLo is getting a lot of crap. Uh, throughout this film, but you don't see people making search engines to find out what the hell uh, Kevin Costner is doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. like what was hell? Laura Dern wearing? Oh, if, uh, ouch! Yeah. Right, because because a there's a Take lot that, of Laura actresses. Dern. You don't need Google image search to find uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I'll tell you that. Right, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of actors and actresses that have uh, a good run of these horrible ass movies that J Lo could have easily been cast in. Uh, I'm looking at you, Kate Hudson, and so you know, like. 
don't let's not, let's not be so hard on her and say she's yeah. not a good actress because she had some questionable roles because questionable roles happen gerard Butler, she didn't write you know, the movie do yeah right <laughs> you 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 do what makes you money and like she said at one point that her acting roles were like they were limited because people were looking at her as more of a celebrity than an actress so they weren't the person you she wasn't the person you thought of when you thought of who do i want in this film right um, and so like i said there there are people who could be admonished for their roles? I don't think J Lo should be the face of that because there I could name I could name some people. Okay. <laughs> Amanda, did Jennifer Lopez go away at any point? Because uh, that she talked about how when she had kids, yeah, and then American Idol was the first thing that she did when she came back. Was, was there a, a stretch with no J Lo for a period of time? So, I mean, I think so. Th- there's definitely a stretch where I stopped following her career. And if I look at her filmography, um, you sort of see that she has her early 2000 hits. We have Geely in 2003. And let's see, like, when is. If, if I had to guess, everything was probably started to like maybe take a turn around time she turns around 40. So that'd be like in 99. So uh, Amanda, I would be shocked if uh, that's not kind of where you see like maybe like the shift start to start. So yeah, so she she does Jersey Girl in 2004. I see that she's in like the... So it does seem like there's a gap and, you know, she does have twins um, Mm -hmm. and that she's raising. Um, So I think that it does look like she does have a gap in her film career um and she really talks about um in the documentary about american idol being like her opportunity to sort of reintroduce herself to the world like where people could sort of see her and that that gave her kind of her career a jump start and allowed her to get back in the game yeah and then 2010 is when she comes back on Mm -hmm. american idol yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 2009 is probably yeah, around the time where it was like maybe not a lot of JLo. I mean, because if you think about it, what the 2000s were Jersey Girl, Geely, mm-hmm. Monster in Law. Again, she really was like, I could be a white lady. Um, but the, the back, the backup plan was 2010. So yeah, she went through a little, a little, a little run of just like, you know, you could insert any random actress into some of these roles and they work. Um, uh, but I think, yeah, after American Idol, I think she really started to like reinvigorate her career a little bit. I don't know if she's done a lot of movies that I've seen in recent years that I really like that stood out. I know what was it? Lila and Eve. I think people were talking about, um, like, uh, very highly. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, like most of like the nineties, the like Anaconda and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's really the JLo. I remember the cell, maybe I don't know right. what that was. Right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my J-Lo. And most recently, Marry Me. Yeah, that was a big... Com- did, did, was, was that on... Was that a Nothing But Netflix? No, <laughs> no I, I believe it no. was on Peacock. That's a, okay, okay. Uh, but, and it was also on Celebrity Big Brother 3. Oh, okay. Well, that's... Okay. that's Remember that one, Chappelle? <laughs> no. <laughs> I tapped out around the face writing. Is that before it was, pre- it, was that? it was like the second week, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it was a very long short season for me. Long short you know? season. So yeah. look, uh-huh. I mean, and it's it's like it it is very hard as an actress to transition from the young ingenue phase to being able to play older, more mature roles. And I think J Lo 
specifically like in the way that the media saw her and like the way that she was so sexualized, like I'm sure that it was difficult for her to kind of continue working as she's like now a mother of two, you know, getting into her forties and now 50. Although it's like, you could tell me that JLo was 35 and I would believe it. Like she's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chappelle, anything else that you learned about J-Lo on halftime? Uh, about J-Lo specifically, not really. I mean, we got to see a little bit about her her upbringing and we learned about her, her mom and dad and how she had three sisters. And even when she was a little you know, a little girl, she wasn't the singer of her, of the group with her sisters. They were both like known as singers, but she always wanted to be kind of like a triple threat. You know, she really liked that her mom watched a lot of like Broadway shows and West she really Side got Story, into that. Yeah. yeah West Side mm-hmm. Story was her kind of like her jam. Um, but it was just kind of, she said it was like almost escapism because her, her portion of uh, New York was so dark, dark to her. Mm-hmm. She was like, it wasn't a lot of color over there. So like that, but you could get into these roles and you could kind of live a different life. And that was what was motivating her j-lo said her she was never motivated to be the best of anything right she was never trying to be like the most award-winning actress or singer or dancer or whatever she just wanted to be able to tell stories that were meaningful to her and to make people feel good and you know and make and accomplished (laughs) i do i think i think she did a really good job with that and so i think that if this if this uh documentary if that was the purpose of this i think she accomplished her goal and and probably and then some because uh i don't know if you can walk away from this like having a real big dislike for j-lo she did a really good job propping herself up Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah, like the places where i think like i like i think that this is that this is very much her story told from her perspective which is very valuable like i think that it's good to hear that like i was like when they cut together all of like the late night punchlines and all of this stuff i mean like i did feel like man i mean it's like really terrible the way that like this industry can kind of like grind people up and spit them out and like you know, I think I think we can all relate to like, you know, criticism hurts. Like it's not fun mm-hmm. to hear. Um, so it tells it tells that story, I think, in a very kind of compelling way that I felt a lot of empathy for her. Like, you know, she JLo has some girl boss energy, she has some diva energy, like, you know, she's you know, the documentary, like a little bit sort of she like maybe tells on herself and just sort of like how much she, you know, kind of, she's a perfectionist and she really like is requiring to get this like sort of universal praise. Um, But I think it's all very human and you can tell that this woman, like she, she works her butt off, like to, you know, sort of be a good performer to be the best that she can be. And like, I, I find all of that like very laudable. I think it's great. I mm-hmm. like, I, I had warm and fuzzies like leaving the, the, like the end credit card I thought was like a little bit eye rolly when she sort of like it posts, like she has this many social media followers. And then like, it sort of ends with like, she's pair, like she's partnering with Goldman Sachs or something. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, okay, JLo. All right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think given like you can really respect that this is somebody who worked really hard to build up the career that she has. And like, I think she deserves all the success that she has gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's not going to be the best singer or the best actress and or the best at anything. Right. Like you don't have to be the best. But I think JLo's story does show like that if you work really hard and you apply your, your, your skills that you do have, then you will be noticed in the right way. Like there, I, when she started to be a dancer, she had no clue that Selena was going to be 
like like the the thing that she ends up doing you know she's not even a mexican woman so it was a controversy behind that when mm-hmm. selena when selena was happening people were like why she's not mexican so who is this who is this girl why is she playing mm-hmm. selena and she was able to take that and flip it and you know people like j-lo and selena were synonymous for a, a amount of time in, in hollywood and then she just skyrockets in different areas and you know i think there's something commendable about being able to say well i might not have the natural gift that all these other people have but i can use what i have and try to get as far as i can with that and you know she doesn't she doesn't let up she's been going strong for over 30 years and it doesn't look like she if she doesn't want to stop she doesn't have to. She's in great shape. She looks gorgeous and she still got it. So uh, I'm happy for her after watching this documentary. I, f- I felt really good about it. Warm and fuzzies for me too. And yeah. Jennifer Lopez got rave reviews from both Siskel and Ebert. Oh yeah. Oh, for <laughs> Selena. Uh, they both loved her. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the things that I learned was that Jennifer Lopez, like myself, comes from a family of New York Jets fans. Go Jets. Go yes. Jets. <laughs> yes. Look, they they could barely focus on her Golden Globe nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the because Jets missed like, an extra point. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I was like, Rob somewhere is like feeling this in his soul. Yeah. Rob, yes. you got to get in on that group text. I got to get mm-hmm. in. <laughs> Boy, I'm just happy, you know, for once that the Jets weren't in the Super Bowl that year because I don't think that mm-hmm. J-Lo's family could have even paid attention to her performance. <laughs> they would have they missed it, yeah. They would have been so distracted. Like, uh, we can't talk right now. Mm-hmm. Go Jets. That's our true love, not you, J-Lo. That's probably why they like West Side Story so much. Because <laughs> of the Jets. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, they do say that Jayla was the black sheep of the family. So how can she how Giants can she comp- fan? how can she compete with the Jets? Um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um the 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 documentary closes at the Biden inauguration where she sang um mm-hmm. and 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 I thought I thought that that was great. Like JLo sings this land is your land which is by Woody Guthrie which I think is the most badass of the America songs. Oh, um, and then she oh. says, yeah, and then she says one nation. Sounds like a tier under- list. Yeah, we should do it. And then she says one nation under God in, in with liberty and justice for all in Spanish. So I and ends with let's get loud. Mm-hmm. Which I thought I thought was really great. So it's like it's you know I'm glad that even though J Lo didn't get her Oscar nomination, she did do the halftime special. She was at the Biden inauguration. Like I'm glad she's getting the the respect she deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Will there be Hustlers too? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So Hustler Hustlers is based on a true story. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So I don't know what hat like. So maybe like I mean we know that they all get. They're not, like none of them really served any time, so they can keep it going. Well, I did hear not to make this negative about JLo, but I did hear there was a wonkiness in the production of that. So maybe we won't oh, do a hustlers too. Oh, it wasn't there was some a- questions. This is not what this is about. And uh, go check out halftime on nothing but Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, check out halftime on Netflix. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk about that. JLo's right got now. a few movies in pre-production, according to the IMDb. Oh, what should mm-hmm. what should I we be looking out for? She's got one called the, yes. the Mother. Okay. Uh, <laughs> while fleeing from dangerous assailants, an assassin comes out of hiding uh, to help protect her daughter. She left daughter. Her earlier in life. So uh, maybe that could be some Oscar buzz uh, there <laughs> with that one. Uh, maybe. Please, Academy, give this please. woman yeah. an Oscar. Give, her give, heart. <laughs> give her something. Looks like she's yeah. the lead in, okay. in The Mother. 
Okay. What if she's up against Laura Dern again for uh, this draft? Please. Not great. Laura <laughs> Dern. That's a tough one. Let, let J-Lo live. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then she got some other ones. Uh, maybe like she does. She's like uh, one for me, one for you. Uh, right. with, with the movies. <laughs> okay. I mean, now that I've seen this, yeah. I could check got- out some uh, J-Lo projects yeah. in the future. I-, I-, I might be more invested now. How about Shotgun Wedding coming up uh, starring J-Lo uh, that with Josh Dumas and uh, Jennifer Coolidge? Oh, we love See, Jennifer my, Coolidge. My mother. But, yeah. <laughs> people want to talk about people who take questionable roles, and then we just say Josh Dumel and just just breeze on past it. She, she doesn't talk about. Yeah, an all star <laughs> oh. cast in Shotgun Wedding. Oh, Darcy Carden, who's uh, from The Good Place. Very fun. A couple's ah. extravagant destination wedding is hijacked by criminals. I just found out about The Good Place recently. It's on my watch list. Oh, uh, people see me good. on Twitter trying to figure out if it's a comedy or not. I will report back <laughs> when I find out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I uh, just got some other projects going on. All right. Uh, anything else on halftime? No. I, I had a we, great time. I think we covered it. I'm very glad I watched it. I'm very glad I got to process everything and work through. Like, so we can we can still love Shakira and Jayla. We don't have to choose. Have to they they're, they're they're not in a fight. Okay. Right. As no, far as we know, until we see Shakira's documentary. Yeah, Shakira yes. comes back. Yes. <laughs> Half um, time part two. Chappelle, did they need an interview with Patrick Mahomes to hear their, like uh when we when we heard J Lo, that really gave us the the support we needed to come back on these 49ers. <laughs> no. <laughs> the 49ers pissed that Super Bowl away and you can't tell me different. The Patrick Mahomes did not win that Super Bowl. The 49ers yeah. gave that to him. Uh, I I've never been so disgusted in a Super Bowl performance in my life. Amanda also on that very same night Baby Nut was born. Uh do you think that we needed to hear and check in with Baby Nut? Baby Nut. Um is Baby Nut I know Peanut baby. Mr. Peanut's baby. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah, it yeah, broke yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is terrifying. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised. I was surprised that that wasn't covered in um, halftime. I was also surprised that the um, Wanda song pa- parody, um, Jenny from the Brawn, I thought that that was going to get some yes. attention. <laughs> that was that was glossed over somehow. Um, I don't know if you caught this. I was just looking over my notes, but JLo's daughter had a petition that got 156 signatures. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, what is she getting a petition a for? She, she wants a gecko. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know would that work on you rob if like one of your kids brought you a petition 156 <laughs> signatures no not enough <laughs> why is that not enough look what, if, enough. They were, what if they were what if they were five-star reviews for nothing but netflix yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. I, I i mean uh that i think that uh put davy on the list of uh, greatest survivor nerds had oh, uh, yeah. way more that's, than that that's that's my petition i know <laughs> yeah Okay. I'll buy the gecko if we can keep Davy off the list. Chappelle, <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't looked ahead to what's what's next on nothing but Netflix. Uh, maybe Doctor Amanda can help us. Oh, uh, okay. Take a look at what's coming up here on Netflix. 
Yeah, first I want to thank Dr. Amanda because this is like the quickest turnaround. I think one of the quickest turnarounds on Nothing But Netflix that we've had for one of our guests. And so thank you so much for doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was afraid that I would oversaturate um, the Nothing But Netflix audience and people were going to say like, why is she back on? We don't want to hear from her. Um, but as long as you guys are happy to talk with me, I'll come on. <laughs> no, Rob was like, what are people going to say? We got too much Dr. Amanda. I was like, no, Rob, I don't think anybody would ever say that. What are you talking about? So as long as you were happy, uh, you were come back, then we are happy to have you. Yeah. Kind. But I'm looking at the top 10 movies in the U.S. today. Number one is Hustle, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Number two is Halftime. Which we've talked about. Wow, that's, a, that's yeah. a nothing but Netflix bump. Yes. I think. Yeah, top yeah. <laughs> two, baby. Number three is called Chicken Hair and the Hamster of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's number three. That's number so three. if anybody has any suggestions for what yeah. we're gonna watch. All right. Well, <laughs> some interesting things coming uh, to Netflix uh, in the next uh, little bit. Okay. Um, this is interesting. It looks to be, it's labeled as reality TV. Chappelle, have you heard about Snowflake Mountain? I don't know why I thought you were going to say Squid Game. No, no, no. no, no. no. Squid Game I haven't reality. heard about yeah. that's, that's uh, According to this, coming June 22nd, hopelessly entitled or simply in need of tough love, 10 spoiled young adults experience nature without a parental safety net in this reality series. Looks like it's British also. Mm. That's coming this week. Yeah, it says it's about a bunch of kidults. Mm-hmm. Kidults. Yeah. Kidults. Uh, okay. okay. Looks like uh, <laughs> yeah. Snoop Dogg has a comedy special coming. Okay. Another oh, halftime there- star. Mm-hmm. Another halftime star. Yes. Um, there is a show out, Robin. I know we and you we, we've been moving away from doing whole series because it's just yes. a lot. Yes. But um, there is we do have a vampire enthusiast in our network who would like to talk about first kill which is the number two television show in the U.S. after Stranger Things. And it is about, says, falling in love is tricky for teens Juliet and, and Calliope. One's a vampire, the other's a vampire hunter. And both are ready to make their first kill. Um, mm. So um, if you ever want to go down that route, I already have the guest in mind. They've reached out. Okay. Uh but it's a lot of episodes for a nothing but Netflix I, podcast. I think we could do like the premiere, you know, like it's not like it's on the second season or nothing like that. So we could probably do like mm-hmm. episode one, maybe episode one and two. You know, we've done that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Man versus B also still coming June 24th. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> Putting it out there. So mm-hmm. um, do you want to uh, see what the listeners say or do you want to make a call? No, I like to see what the listeners say. Sometimes okay. they open my my mind to like different things I yes. hadn't even considered. Like, um, what is Brahms the Boy Two? Like, so oh, that's a scary movie. Yes. Huh? We don't talk about horror much. We did talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was a good time. Um, is anybody yeah. clamoring for the My Little Ponies? Oh yeah, we did get some people saying about the My Little mm. Pony. Uh, we got a, we got a couple, but I, honestly, it wasn't powerful enough. I don't think we got. I wanted to know like a swell of support for the My Little Ponies for the Bronies, mm. and they didn't really come out. Right. So mm. I think I think until they show the support, like I mean, this is no Beyond the Edge, but until yeah. they show the support, I don't know if we give them My Little Pony. Yet. We need to know. I mean, more people were asking for the uh, Doogie Hauser. What did we learn this week? Mm. Second on Renap. Exactly. Not, oh, to, mention, not to mention yeah. Emmy's Gecko. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, not we need at least a petition at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Um, let us know uh, what you think for next week on uh, Nothing But Netflix. By the way, I watched the Bob Saget tribute, uh, and it, I definitely don't think it's a podcast. Uh, okay. I, I don't even think it should have been a Netflix special. Oh, wow. my gosh. <laughs> oh, Bob Saget deserves better, Netflix. Yeah. Come on. I thought it was a tough hang. Um, mm. But, mm. Um, you know, um, you know, I, I do think everybody's heart was in the right place. Okay. All right. Dr. Manda, do you, you don't want to put your thumb on the scale uh, for anything? Jeez. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about that Mr. Bean versus oh, the Bean. I know <laughs> Yes, I, th- I think that would make for good for good podcasting. Is that going to be ready in time for the next? No, I don't yeah, think I'm well, the, maybe uh, not. It depends on uh, when we when we record again. But I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's pro- I think it's probably two weeks away. <laughs> Chappelle just rolled his eyes. I mean, I'm not. I'm Chappelle not a anti, bean head. Anti bean. I'm not. I'm not anti bean. I'm just not a bean head. I just you mm-hmm. know. I just don't understand what he's giving. It's not giving. Yeah, well, the, you need to gave. get those thoughts out into yeah. the universe. You probably need to broadcast yeah. the anti-bean. Represent the anti-bean. I'm not anti-bean. I'm being agnostic and being questioning <laughs> yeah, why. It's a, you know, it's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not being shaming. I'm being asking why. That's all. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't mm-hmm. understand. Maybe it's not for me. I'm just gonna assume it's not for me. Yeah. For now. Yeah, but if the people want it, I'll, the, I'll suffer through it. We've the Brits, it. the Brits love it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the Brits—they're always trying to foil me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, all right. There's also a new movie coming to um, Netflix for June 24th, uh, starring Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson. Oh, called the man that's, from Toronto. <laughs> that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do we need to have a man from Toronto as our guest? Yeah, that we week? Have, we oh, yeah, you, you Canadian can find a man from Toronto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know, we know a few. Yeah. Okay, all right. So uh, let us know what you want us to talk about next time, uh, Doctor Amanda. What are you podcasting about these days? Let's see. Well, I'm I'm between projects right now, but I will be starting. Um, and I'll just I'll just tease it for post show recaps. Um, I'm going to be covering Loot, which is a Maya Rudolph comedy, which is coming Ooh. at the end of June. I'm going to be mm-hmm. covering that with um uh with uh Ariel Gomez. I'm very excited to be yes. podcasting with Ariel. Um, so that's coming up. So just follow me on Twitter at Dr. Amanda R and you'll see what's going on with that. And I was also very honored to be a guest on the Brazilian Dragon podcast. Oh. Uh, talking to Felipe. We it's the the first part of a two part series where we had a conversation and he pitched me different kids movies that I could watch with my kids. Um, we went through a list and uh, picked one, and then I'm going to come back to talk about um, what we picked uh, with Felipe, um, I think, coming up next week. So that's what I have going on right now. Okay. All right. And Chappelle, what's going yes. on for you? <laughs> Chilling, hanging out with you. Chilling. Um, yeah, you and I, we have recently recorded our fi- finally giving the people what they wanted, the Celebrity Exorcism yeah. podcast we've been clamoring for with Ginny Autumn. Well, who has it better than me that I've done <laughs> back-to-back podcasts with Chappelle tonight? Wow. Stop mm-hmm. it. Stop it. I'm the dream. I, it's truly the dream. Mm-hmm. Oh, Doc. <laughs> let, let me know, Doc, if you ever need me to come and guest with you on your mm-hmm. Post Recast project, let me know. I'll oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I like to visit. Um, But 
celebrity exorcism was a good time and so uh, hopefully people can check that out and give us feedback on what you thought uh, about that show that the people demanded the edge lords and edge ladies mm-hmm. um also uh i've been talking about 90 day fiance with puya um where you know this week we talked about the foolishness of that show the hot mess express and all that good stuff and so check that out as well um i'm also on the purple pants podcast uh every week talking with bryce and sharia about p valley season two um this week we talked about episode two so check that out on purple pants podcast subscribe to that as well um and i'm over in silent podcast talking about abbott elementary and survivor this week with gia jason and uh we are going to be talking about the uh i guess the crossover event of a century like what survivor seasons is ava from abbott elementary watch during her quarantine and so that'll be out soon enough and then i guessed it on i don't the think she's gonna show. choose wisely uh well we're gonna talk about that because yeah. you know yeah, Ava has a interesting uh, taste, yeah. but we do too over in Silent Podcast, and so we might support her or we might admonish her. Just depends on what we come up with. So check that out as well. And then uh, I'm on the Shit Ninety Shows Taught Me podcast with Sarah Ferguson and Jess Sterling uh, this week to talk about Boy Meets World season six, episode seven, I believe. Um, and so if you are a fan of Boy Meets World or at least a fan of me or Jess or Sarah, go check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, subscribe to all those podcasts or follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore Show, where I'll tweet out all the links as they come up. All right. Check out that. Check out uh, what we talked about last time where we talked about the brand new Adam Sandler movie, Hustle, uh, that is uh, available in our Netflix podcast feed. Go to robswebsitecom slash Netflix feed and check out everything else we have going on over at robhasawebsite.com. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.